Where in the world are the perfect parents? Hey, this looks great. I have always dreamt of a life without the ever-present nuisance of electricity. Just let me grab something from the plane. I seem to have left my butter churn in the overhead compartment. <laughs> Orange! On July 22nd, Rob Reiner takes North on a worldwide search for the perfect parents. Hang in there, kid. You'll find what you're looking for. North, rated PG. At theaters Friday. To, so what's the problem? Where we rewatch a movie from our youth to determine if it's problematic by today's standards. I'm Jen. And I'm Jimmy, and today we'll be discussing North, which was released in America on July 22nd, 1994, in the United Kingdom and Ireland July 29th, 1994, so just a week after. No five-month wait for this shit. <laughs> uh, it was written by Alan Zweibel and Andrew Scheinman. Directed by Rob Reiner, it stars Elijah Wood, John Lovitz, Jason Alexander, Alan Arkin, Dan Aykroyd, Kathy Bates, Faith Ford, <laughs> Graham Greene, loads and loads and loads and loads and loads of people, and Bruce Willis. Uh, Jimmy and I have each thought of three problems the movie has, and uh, in theory we'll each have a positive for this movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, North is a talented and bright kid, but his parents are preoccupied with other things in their lives, leaving him largely ignored. Advised by a mysterious man who pops up on occasion, North decides to legally separate himself from his parents and goes on a search across the globe for the ideal mother and father. Yeah, there was more to that, but I cut it. Okay. It was a bit too much um, synopsis. It's a bit too much movie. Uh, yeah, it's only... it. I mean, it stops at the 1 hour 22 minute mark or something, and there's 5 minutes of credits, but it's like, yeah, it goes on far too long. Yeah, so do you remember your history with this movie at all? Because I don't remember mine. I saw it when I, was, when I was younger, but I don't remember it. For some reason, I didn't see it in the theater, which is weird because I loved Elijah Wood. Um, <clears throat> I must have rented it probably as soon as it came out on VHS. And it, when I was a kid, I really wanted to like every movie. Yeah. And I hated admitting when I didn't like something. And this is one of those movies I remember being like, yeah, I liked it. And I knew, I knew deep down I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> but I like didn't want it. I don't know why I didn't want to admit that I didn't like something. Maybe maybe it was also like not wanting to admit that an actor I liked made a bad movie. I, I don't know what it was, but yeah, I definitely didn't like it. And then hearing Roger Ebert's review years later, I was like, it can't be that bad. But it is. Probably the best review ever written about a movie um like that just just the one the one paragraph is probably the best i'm just gonna go ahead and read it since you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah. go for it's it it's brought up so i hated this movie hated 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 this movie hated it hated every simpering stupid vacant audience insulting moment of it hated the sensibility that thought anyone would like it Hated the implied insult to the audience by its belief that anyone would be entertained by it. I hold it as an item of faith that Rob Reiner is a gifted filmmaker. Among his credits are This Is Spinal Tap, The Sure Thing, Princess Bride, Stand By Me, When Harry Met Sally, and Misery. I list those titles as his incantation against this one. North is a bad <laughs> film, one of the worst movies ever made. 
but it is not by a bad filmmaker and must represent some sort of lapse from which Reiner will will recover possibly sooner than I will. Yeah. Yeah. That is a damn good review. <laughs> yeah. I almost picked his review as my positive. Just a review. That doesn't count. It doesn't count, so I didn't pick it. Um, I watched it in VHS, and I think I had the same sort of revelation as you, just sort of like, do I... Do I dislike this? But it wasn't because of Elijah Wood. It was because of Rob Reiner. Yeah. Because I liked Rob Reiner's movies before this. The year before this was A Few Good Men, Mm -hmm. wasn't it? Yeah. For fuck's sake. I mean, come on. (laughs) And he said he wanted to do a little fable after doing uh, Misery and A Few Good Men. But this was not the best. I don't blame him. I don't blame him for wanting to do something different after heavy movies. Yeah. That's perfectly fine because Misery is quite sort of heavy going. But yeah, this isn't it, Rob Reiner, I'm afraid. I didn't actually check to see what he did after this to see if he did sort of survive because most of his stuff I know from before this. Yeah, the next one I can think of was The Story of Us, but there had to have been something in between because that was five years later, I would think. There'd be something in between. Story of Us? Is that the one with Bruce Willis? Yeah. And Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah, it's from the same writer as this. Yeah, let's see. Uh, director. He did... God, he does have a lot of misses. Oh, yeah, The the American President, which was very good. The American President is good. But that was, you know, written by Aaron Sorkin, just as um, A Few Good Men was written mm-hmm. by Aaron Sorkin. So. And William Goldman wrote Misery, based on a book by Stephen King. So he needs to have a better writer behind him. For these things. Yeah, his career definitely, this was like at the end of the best of his career because mm. he did, um, I'm not going to list off everything he did, but he did this movie in 2003 called Alex and Emma that I also hated. Um, I don't remember much about it except that I didn't like it. He did Ru- Rumor Has It, which was okay, but right. and The Bucket List, which was like, I think his only other hit. I never saw it. Um, like, I haven't even heard of some of these movies that he's done, <laughs> which is a bummer. It's a bummer because he's a very talented director. He is. Yeah. I think I've only ever seen this movie twice mm-hmm. because the ending put me off. Yeah. But we'll get into that. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, let us start our problems. And what is your first problem, Jen? Uh, my first problem oh god we're it's hard to it's hard to pick my problems where do you start um i'm gonna say the big uh song and dance during the reba mcintyre and dan Aykroyd <laughs> part i it's i am not a fan of having a song in a movie that isn't a musical yeah occasionally something can get away with it like i remember there was a like a dance sequence in um clerks 2 that was kind of random <laughs> but like that's a little stoner movie so yeah. It's a little more forgivable for me. Well, there's a dance sequence in She's All That that we covered. Those movies just burst into like, spontaneous dance numbers so everybody is choreographed together. But even that, like, even, like, you know, She's All That, it's just them dancing at prom. Like, it's it's ridiculous uh-huh. that they all know the same dance, but it at least, but, like... It's not the same level as this. Well, and especially this early in the movie, it's like, I, I hate it when there's a song and you're all of a sudden hit with the thought, oh my god, am I watching a musical? Mm-hmm. Like, is this going to be a thing every house he goes to? Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't like that. The The movie is silly and every family is silly, but I hate, like, they started with such an over-the-top one. Yeah. Because they, they seem ridiculous from the beginning. Mom-paw-tex. Mm-hmm. 
I think it would have been better if it was a family that seemed like a lot more normal and then got weird. Yeah. But it's just weird from the beginning. And it's, uh, I don't, what was Rob Reiner thinking? I don't know. I mean, this is based on a book which is called North, the tale of a nine-year-old boy who becomes a free agent and travels the world in search of the perfect parents. Written in 1984 by Alan Zweibel, who co-wrote the screenplay to this because he was a an SNL writer mm-hmm. in the original days. Um, and he was like close friends with Gilda Radner. A lot of wrote stuff for her and wrote books about her after her passing and stuff like that. He also co-wrote the screenplay to the Dragnet movie with Dan Aykroyd. Okay. But he co-created It's Gary Shandling's show. So there's that was a great show. Mm-hmm. Um, so there you go. That's one thing. But apparently the book is terrible as well. Oh, really? I read a good review of it. Did you? Oh, I, 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 looked, I read a lot of reviews on Goodreads. Because mm-hmm. it's normal people writing for Goodreads. It's not critics. So I prefer to sort of read that sort of thing. Same as Letterboxd. You know, I'll read the letterbox rather than actual reviews of uh, critics' reviews. Apart from Roger Ebert's one for this, because it's spot on. Um, but I read a review in Goodreads from a lady called Shirley. She wrote this back in 2014. And she wrote, As an author, I've been advised not to rate other authors' books. That's just kind of like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying anything because, you know, I'm on offer too, so I know what it's like to get my reviews. Here's something I read in one of the reviews that I thought was interesting. It says, um, also the ending of the book is very different from the movie in which North has to save his parents from being hung in front of an angry mob. Wow. And it's also not a dream. Yeah. Right. My first problem is, I know it's a painting, but does it really need to see a close-up shot of, um... Of North's bum. I do love that he called it uh, my most private crevice. Yeah, because uh, the long shot of the billboard is perfectly fine. We didn't. We 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 can see it. Mm-hmm. We know what it is. We don't need a close up. They showed it a of little it. too much. So apparently, John Candy was uh, cast as Potex, um, but he found the stereotypes in the script to be insulting, and he passed. Yep. Um, Bruce Willis hated the script and was going to pass, but he was married to Demi Moore, and she had. She talked him into doing it because she loved working with Rob Reiner. Mm, fair enough. So that's how that happened. And he did work with him again in The Story of Us, so he must not have been very bitter. Yeah. Um, Kathy Bates disliked the script and was advised to turn the movie down by her agent, but she felt indebted to Rob Reiner since he directed her to an Oscar in Misery. Yep. Um, and then her sequence is the most heavily criticized sequence of all. Yeah, we'll get to that. Columbia Pictures almost decided to pass on distributing the project because of the perceived offensive stereotypes. And this is interesting because this movie, I mean, this is 30 years ago, Mm -hmm. but they only agreed to distribute under the condition Reiner found another studio to help with financing. And he got turned down by multiple studios. And finally he got co-financing from New Line Cinema. But like this movie almost went straight to video Mm. or they even thought about editing it for tv because they didn't want to release it before abe vigoda was cast as the alaskan grandfather rob reiner wanted his dad to do it (laughs) but he had scheduling conflicts which i'm kind of like carl did you really have scheduling conflicts or did you just know better (laughs) and carl reiner's just read the script carl (laughs) uh carl reiner's best friend mel brooks was offered it but he disliked the script and passed Mm -hmm. like and how bad how much do they have to hate the script to pass up like what is it, a day's work? Two days work? Yeah, but not only that, like, like how offensive must the script be for Mel Brooks not to fucking take it? Yeah, I know. I mean, he revels in that sort of stuff. Mel Brooks is the good sort of 
offensive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because he winds up the correct people. The test screenings were so bad that even after post-production, that's when they were considering releasing it direct-to-video or even editing it as a made-for-TV movie. It only got an eventual theatrical release because Rob Reiner and his partners at their production studio, Castle Rock, fought hard to get it a theatrical re- release. And the studio relented because of all of Reiner's films prior had been either box office and or critical successes. And he still, he still defends this movie. Really? Yeah. Rob Reiner still defends this movie. He's still proud of it, which good for him if he's proud of it, I guess. But the reason I wanted to read all this is because, you know, I'm sure we're going to spend a lot of time being like, how is this person in this? Or what a waste of this person. And it's like, yeah, clearly Rob Reiner, these people only did it because like, he's a nice guy, and he'd made some great films. And to see the people that turned it down because the script sucked, or the people that almost turned it down because the script sucked, it's kind of insane if you look at his track record that it was so bad that people did pass. I know. Because why wouldn't you want to work with Rob Reiner, especially in since most of those roles probably only took a couple days' work? I mean, it's crazy that he got all those people. Well, it's not really crazy that he got all those people, because... He's Rob Reiner, and as you said, he had some hits, and people were probably like, you know, why would I work with Rob Reiner? Mm. The fact that they still made this movie, considering how bad the script was and how many people turned it down because the script was bad, mm. and yet they still made it, what's your second problem? I mean, Kathy Bates and Brownface. That's my second problem! I get to this part, and I'm like, oh, that, that Inuit woman looks kind of like Kathy Bates. Then I remember seeing her name in the credits. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, is that Kathy Bates? I mean, this movie must just, I guess it just shows that it's not beloved because no one talks about it. <clears throat> like that seems like the sort of thing I would read in trivia all the time. Yeah. Like when I'm reading about like problematic movies and stuff. And when I Googled it, it is on a lot of lists. Um, But even then there was one list where it was basically an honorable mention because they were like, no one liked the movie anyway. Yeah. I, that's, that's when I started... And it's one of the reasons why I wanted to go ahead and, and, and read all that shit now to show why people did this, because this was another one where she shows up and I'm like, why would she do this? And it's, um, no, she's in brown face. It's gross. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just all the Eskimo jokes in general, like the, and I know we'll get into the ending, but like the only thing that makes all this stuff slightly less bad to me is the idea that it's a small child's dream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he doesn't know any better. Because if it wasn't a dream, yeah. it would be a million times worse to me. Absolutely. We'll get into that. We'll get to that. Yeah. No, that's my second problem as well, is the brown face. Yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> but I actually remembered that. That's what I remembered. I remember Kathy Bates' role in this movie. Oh, see, I didn't remember that. Yeah, haven't seen it for about 25 years. I, I remembered that part. Bruce Willis in a bunny outfit, Kathy Bates in brown face, and the part where he looks like he's been shot and he's got blood in his hat, but it's mm-hmm. not actually blood. I remember that bit as well. <laughs> when his parents, his parents um, gone stiff and falling backwards, got and- a coma or whatever the fuck happened to them. That's really lazy too, by the way. Like, I know that they need a way to like not have the parents interfering. Yeah. But it's just not, it doesn't amuse me. This is a movie where I feel like there's there's some universe where you could come up with a plot that's like actually really interesting. Honestly, I think it would need to be a tad more dramatic, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, the parents in the coma, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it all. <laughs> this movie was very upsetting to me. Yeah. And when I saw Kathy Bates, Kathy Bates was kind of the last straw for me. Yeah. And that's only like half an hour in or something. <laughs> I have, because they're the second family, aren't they? 
think. I think so. And it's I, all a blur. It's all a blur. Well, the other thing that doesn't work with this section is, for me, is North is supposed to be this really smart kid, right? Mm -hmm. And he finds out they've been walking the grandfather for seven weeks. And he's like, oh, that's why we had 49 lunches. But the thing is, is he's such a smart kid. I don't like the idea that I'm supposed to buy that he didn't realize how much time had passed. Right. That doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. I did did think that was funny, though. So what's your third problem? Uh, The fucking ending, man. (laughs) The fucking ending is my <laughs> my fun problem as well. It was all a dream. Fuck off. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's I hate that it's such a cop-out, but then it also at least makes the ridiculousness more acceptable to me, like I said before, mm. because it is just a child's dream. If this whole thing was supposed to have been reality, it would make me hate the movie even more. Yeah. Um. But there's basically, with the ending, there's no winning for me, right? <laughs> like, either... Mm-hmm. It's a dream, and that's a cop-out, or it's not a dream. Well, and then why would he have this dream that has a whole subplot of his friend taking over? Yeah. Oh, have you seen the original ending? No. Okay, so I found it. There's Because there's a copy of the movie on YouTube, that, which, by the way, I paid to rent this. That's it? So I gave them three ninety nine. yeah. Um, but there was a copy of the movie on YouTube, and I was like, oh, I should have just looked on YouTube. But I'm glad I didn't, because I probably wouldn't have realized that it wasn't the actual like theatrical cut and it had i went to the end of it it had the last scene and it was you know the the movie ends he comes home his parents are like you know let's get you dinner or whatever Mm -hmm. but it continues and they tuck him into bed and they're talking to him and they're talking about how they're going to do better and like he tells them about his crazy dream and everything and then they leave the room and he's like he starts to ask them about something they can do tomorrow but they're already ignoring him Oh, wow. Like, the movie ends with his parents still, and but he kind of has this look on his face like, oh, mom and dad, like, like it's good to be home. But, like, his parents go straight back to ignoring him. <laughs> That's fucked. I like that ending. I It's, it's great, but it's kind of fucked. <laughs> it is. It, well, and the thing is, is like, and, and Roger Ebert in his review was talking about how irresponsible the, the premise is. Um, like, you know, a kid divorcing his parents just because they ignore him at dinner time um although in their defense they also ignore each other they're just so self-involved mm-hmm. it's not even like they're ignoring him to talk to each other they're like each talking at each other yeah it could have been this is a movie where had the families been done differently mm-hmm. like it honestly could have been a movie that showed that like no parent is perfect yeah like they could have they could have done a whole thing where it was like a little more subtle and there could have been an interesting lesson there where, like, the kid realizes, oh, my parents suck in this way and maybe I can fix it. But running away isn't, like, isn't isn't the solution. Yeah. Um, there's, like, I can see in here where there could actually be, like, a decent movie with a decent message. Mm-hmm. But it's just a big joke. And the ending is just such a fuck you to you. Where it's just, like, you spent all this time watching this hot mess and it wasn't even real. And I hate it. Yeah. Does the ending excuse things then? It's it's basically just a big sort of ego trip mm-hmm. for North. Yeah. Because North clearly thinks he's amazing in his own head. Yeah. Because everyone tells him he's amazing. Mm-hmm. He's good at all these things and all that. So it's basically just like child wish fulfillment. And um, also, a lot of it is, a lot of the stuff that happens is sort of kids' logic. 
as well. Because he's only 11 years old, and all the stupid stuff, all the ridiculous stuff, like when he goes to meet the Amish people and then it's, he like says, step on it, and the plane flies away very, very quickly and it's all sped up. Mm-hmm. That's clearly like um, clearly silliness for silliness sake, but it's also coming from the mind of an 11-year-old child. So I do like the fact that the beginning of the movie is sort of grounded in reality, apart from the fact that you see Bruce Willis dressed as a bunny but it's Easter, mm-hmm. so that is fine. But then the movie, the movie gets silly as soon as he falls asleep. We don't see him fall asleep, but as soon as he falls asleep, that's when the movie gets silly. Mm-hmm. And then this movie series again. It's sort of you know, there's no silliness in the last part when he wakes up. So that should have told us that it was just a dream. Yeah, really. yeah. Ah, fuck it. I hate this ending. I hate this ending so much. And I do want to say I and. I appreciate Bruce Willis in a bunny suit. When I was younger, I barely knew who he was. Like, at the time that I saw this, I had probably seen Death Becomes Her, and that was about it. Mm -hmm. Like, I I didn't know Bruce Willis and had never heard of Die Hard or anything. So now, as an adult, like, knowing where he's at in his career and, like, what he's known for, I think it's hilarious. Like, I actually think that's really funny. This is sort of a ruggedly handsome, quite fit Bruce Willis. Mm-hmm. Because you see him with his, just a vest on and he's, he's quite sort of built. Not like amazing or anything, but mm-hmm. this is the time when he was doing the action movies and he would, you know, work out a lot. So yeah, the, end, the ending's a fucking joke. It's a big, massive F you to the audience and I hate it. And I remember as a kid being like, what the fuck? Like, I don't... God, what, what was wrong with me that I couldn't just admit that I didn't like the movie? Like, why did I want to like all the movies so much? I've no idea. Maybe maybe I just didn't want to admit that I wasted my time. Probably, yeah. Like, maybe I, maybe I just didn't want to be like, I wasted my time with that. Which then, as an adult, you kind of like, occasionally, there's you almost get a little bit of joy by being like, well, that was a waste of two hours of my life. Like, being a little dramatic about it. But as a kid, it's just like, I don't want to admit that I wasted my movie rental for the week yeah. on a movie that I didn't enjoy and that... And that, like, I loved Elijah Wood so much and that this movie that he was the star of, that I hated it. Like, I didn't, I didn't want to admit it. Yeah, well, that's the thing, though, isn't it? You, you want to, if you're watching a movie with someone that you like, then you want to like that movie. Yeah. Because if it's someone you really enjoy watching perform, it's like they can do no wrong to an extent. Well, and I think when I was younger, like, not even just, like, a little kid, like, this goes into teens and maybe early 20s, but, like, yeah. you also... When you're a fan of someone, you don't want to think that they could make a huge mistake. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, that's what I mean, yeah. But then as an adult, I'm watching it, and I'm like, why wouldn't you do this movie if you're Elijah Wood? Like, you get to be a a star. He probably got a nice paycheck because he was, like, an up-and-coming actor at the time that was, like, Mm -hmm. getting a lot of buzz and stuff. Like, of course he would do it. He he was given a lot to do in this movie that a kid wouldn't be given at the time. He got to work with a great director. He got to work with a ton of fantastic actors. Um, Absolutely. I was so thrilled when when John Ritter showed up because I forgot he was in it. I did remember Scarlett Johansson was in it though. Yeah, she's John Ritter's daughter in it. That's her first movie role. Yeah, yeah, I did know that about it, but um, like, but at the time, it's just like the the idea that you know you only have twelve months in a year, and that Elijah Wood would waste that much of his year or whatever making this. <laughs> Like that, you get so little work from the people you like. It's and it's so different these days. Like, um, one of my favorite actors is uh, 
Kristen Bell. Mm-hmm. And if I don't like something she does, she she works so much, there's going to be something right around the corner. At this time, it's like people either did movies or TV. Yeah. And when they did movies, they didn't do that much. So you'd take what you can get from them mm-hmm. and be happy about it. And uh, I tried to be happy about it, but I hated it. I hated it. And it... God. <laughs> I'm still amazed at how offensive it is. Like, there's a point where he's in Africa, and he swings in on a vine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he stares at the lady's boobs. Yeah. He just... I mean, he's 11, fair enough, but he just stares. And then, <laughs> then he says, I don't think I can stay here, because I would never get any homework done. Which is actually kind of funny. The thing is, there is some funny lines in this. Yeah. There is some good stuff in this. There definitely is. But the movie as a whole is a fucking mess. Mm -hmm. So let's get into positives. Uh, Did you find one? I mean, I guess I'm going to have to agree with Ebert and say Elijah Wood. Right. He understood the assignment. He came in. He did his job. He did a very good job. He's great. He's the only thing that keeps me even 1% caring during the movie. Yeah. He's not my positive. What's your positive? Bruce Willis. Okay. Because I think he has the best lines Mm -hmm. and I like his exchanges. His exchanges with North are the best parts of the movie for me. Mm -hmm. So, and you know, by extension, Elijah Wood is great in those scenes as well because he also has a couple of good lines and they sort of banter off each other very well and Mm -hmm. I like that dynamic that they have, um, which is great because they're together quite often in the movie periodically roger ebert says that bruce willis isn't funny in the movie but i disagree with roger ebert in that one part about the his um synopsis of the movie but yeah i mean now that i'm thinking about it the acting in general in the movie is is good it's i mean it's it's not a good movie it's not a good script but like people came in they did their job they like some of them like reba mcintyre and dan Aykroyd are over the top they're supposed to be over the top like i feel like everybody came in and did their jobs their jobs the jobs they had just weren't good no no i I, i'm not a fan of dan Aykroyd in this movie i don't like his character i just don't like the way he performs it but like you say i mean that was the assignment he did the assignment that's exactly what he had to do. He had to be over the top. He had the only song and dance number. And <laughs> I mean, clearly, at least most of these people knew they were in a bad movie, right? Mm-hmm. Like, from everything I read, they knew the script wasn't good. Yeah. Um, they had, like, Kathy Bates' agent try to talk her out of it. But they still came in and did their job. Mm-hmm. Like, in a world where, and I can't think of examples, I wish I could. Um, but in a world where we see movies where like you can kind of tell when an actor doesn't want to be there mm-hmm. or like it's just a it's just a paycheck for them. Like these people came in and they they tried to do their best for Rob Reiner. I feel like they were trying to give Rob Reiner their best with a bunch of bullshit. Yeah. Right. So going back to the ending, um, we right, his friend Winchell, mm-hmm. I think his name is, yeah. the, the kid with the stereotypical sort of editor's cap and all that one. Um, we don't see him before, do we? I don't think so. So, does Winchell exist? <laughs> I Or is he just a I thought they of- mentioned him at the end, and I can't remember if I'm making that up, or maybe it was even the cut ending. I think he exists. I think he's a friend of his. Right. But he always... I mean, he, he probably doesn't act like that. He probably doesn't wear that thing, Mm-mm. like, for the... the he, and his office probably doesn't look like that. Like, uh... A newspaper editor's office and all that. So all that's in his mind. Mm-hmm. We, we're we kind of told that it's all a dream in the opening credits. Because the, the camera goes around everything in his room and we see everything that he's going to see. We see Texas. We see New York. We see 
you know, uh, and and you include stuff like that. We see all of that mm-hmm. stuff in his room. And when he transitions, when he 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 transitions into the dream world, the camera sort of does this weird effect. Yeah, like. Like it's kind of like the mm-hmm. thing, like it's going to be a dream, it's like what they did on Say by the Bell when there was a dream. So it's all there. I would also like to talk about how um, upsetting this movie is if you're a kid and it's like you're watching it and that the opening credits like showing his room and everything. It's like you see his house, you see his room, you see all that he has, and you're like, man, what a great life this kid has. And it's like his parents are ignoring him at dinner. Like they could have done a better job of like like when he's doing bad at baseball or in his play or whatever, like, why couldn't they have shown his parents maybe not being there? Yeah. Or something, like, given us more than one scene, because I just remember watching as a kid and being like, well, kid seems like he has a good life, and, like, at dinner, my parents ignore me sometimes too, but they don't ignore me all the time. Yeah. It's just one scene. We need more to show that this is a consistent pattern of behavior, because my parents, like, I remember feeling ignored by them at dinner when they were talking about their day, but, like... It's not like they didn't put in any effort anywhere else. Yeah. When did this happen? When did it start? You know? Yeah. It's like, they should have shown, when they showed that uh, that North was really good at everything, they should have shown his parents there, mm-hmm. and then shown, like, him having a heart attack, and then everything being shit, and his parents not being there, and then that would be like, you're right, okay, fine, that's when his parents started to ignore him and started to, you know. But we don't get that. So we don't know. Mm-hmm. When that actually happens, so I have I have notes <laughs> right at the very beginning, the first minute of this movie. I noticed the mistake, Jen. Oh God! Okay. <laughs> like we see North's house, and we're going towards North's house, and all the blinds and all the curtains and everything are closed. And then we go up to North's room, and his curtains are closed. We cut to the inside of the room, and the curtains are open. I don't know why. I noticed that, but it's very very strange. Okay. Why would they have all those? Blinds and everything closed and all the curtains closed. I just wrote Easter shopping, question mark. People go Easter shopping? I mean, I'm sure there's Easter sales. There's sales for every holiday. Right, but this is, is this isn't this before Easter. I don't know. So why would the sales be? I mean, you could go shopping for, I mean, over here we sell Easter eggs, mm. like chocolate eggs everywhere. Our supermarkets right now are like, well, from January. <laughs> it's like just chocolate Easter eggs everywhere, all different kinds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my my positive was almost this exchange where uh, Bruce Willis first meets Elijah Wood, and Bruce Willis says, "Who are you? I'm North." And then um, Bruce Willis says, "See your name on maps. Very <laughs> impressive." Yeah, I love that line. <laughs> I remember seeing that in the trailers. <laughs> but yeah, that was always my positive. That was a really good line. Uh, it is a good line. There are some good lines in this. Yeah. It actually is, yeah. It's just sad that the movie's shit. Um, when North gets to Texas, the Dallas theme plays in the soundtrack. And oh, I, yeah. I wanted to mention that, too. I loved that. Yeah. I oddly appreciated that. I was like, yeah, I like that. Yeah, I closed my notes already, and I forgot that was one of the things in my note that, like, I, I really, <laughs> really liked the, the Dallas theme. Yeah. Um, Richard Belzer's in this movie, briefly. He's the barker. He's the guy who's shouting uh, to get all the old people onto the icebergs and float away. Um, and he passed away, like, last week as mm-hmm. we record this. I just wanted to point him out. Alexander Goodenough and Kelly McGuinness play the Amish parents in this, and they were also Amish people in Witness in 1985. Okay. 
that also goes to the, the, the thing that this is probably, well, it is, it's all in his head, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe he watched Witness. Yeah. He watched Witness on TV and he saw these two people and that's the, that's his Amish parent. I hadn't thought about it that way. All those cool arcade games in Winchell's office. Mm-hmm. I, I want that office. Uh, and my last note is the bunny guy drives north home and he says, here we go, 35 Maple Drive, and then he turns into the street. Mm-hmm. But how does he know that that's North's house? Because he can't see that it's 35 from there. I... Do you know? Because he's driving past the house and goes round to the front of the house. How can he know that that's number 35? I, I don't know. <laughs> that's a little nitpicky. It's a little nitpicky. How's it nitpicky? It's... He's driving to... He's driving past the house. He can't see the number 35 on the house. Oh, okay. He can barely see the sign. And- oh, and when I just glanced at my notes, again, I saw one thing I wanted to mention. Yeah, sure. When Elijah Wood's having his little, like, panic attack or whatever at the beginning, and his parents are all mm. concerned about him um, and trying to figure out what to do, his dad goes, loosen his pants. I know. <laughs> That's weird. That's weird. <laughs> also, everything with, like, what... What this movie wants us to think a pants inspector does is stupid. But that, though, that is all in his head. So this is what he thinks his dad does all day? Yeah. Okay, I actually like that. I actually like that explanation. Yeah. It's a very elaborate dream. <laughs> mm-hmm. Last night I dreamt I was eating pasta. That's it. I mean, that's all I remember from my dream. Well, there's going to be more to that story. No, that's it. So, like, to have an elaborate dream like this, this movie's this movie's shit. It is. Yeah. It is. Yeah, I was proud of myself for, for picking, like, just, like, a truly bad... Because I don't pick enough just really bad ones. You don't. You tend to pick ones that you like. Yeah. I'm glad you picked this one. I hadn't seen it in years. Yeah, it's... Well, and I've wanted to rewatch it for years after, like, hearing about the Roger Ebert um review and you know he had a book where like he used the quote from his review for the name of the book like it's yeah it's hands down his most famous review as and i i have often disagreed with roger ebert but like i get it with and i and i, I think he's pretty dramatic like i mm-hmm. can't name off every big movie that came out that year but i don't i'm sure it's probably i probably wouldn't agree with him that it's the worst movie of the year right but it's i can definitely see why he hated it so much Let's have a look and see what was released in 94. Uh, Ace Ventura Pet Detective. Well, there you go. I like this better than Ace Ventura Pet Detective. I laughed more at this than I did Ace Ventura Pet Detective. Yeah. So there you go. I don't think this is the worst movie of that year. Already, with the first one you said. Um, It's very strange that we both don't like this movie, but we both agree that it's funny in parts. It's like, it's really strange that we can have an appreciation for this movie. Despite the fact that it is terrible. It had a good writer. It had a good director. Like, it had a great cast. Like, the idea that you could make um, a movie with all those elements and that there wouldn't at least be a few moments. Odds are pretty good there's going to be something there. You know, even if it's just a line or two. Because it is talented people. It's just Rob Reiner. I'm just really curious at this point in his career, like, how did he pick the other movies and how did he pick this? Like, what's the difference? Is it really just that he just, any sort of, like, little fable that came across his desk he would have done? Mm-hmm. Or, like, like what's what's the deal here? Because it's, and The American President, you know, is, is a really good movie, so it's not like everything after this is crap, but mm-hmm. you definitely see a big before and after this movie. Like, a big difference in the quality of his films. 
Yeah. And what what happened? Because sometimes I think like, and, and I see this a lot with actors, where once they get a certain amount of power mm-hmm. um, and control over their career, their movies can get worse. Yeah. Because they don't have as many obstacles or they don't have to take whatever's offered to them. And I'm just wondering, is he at the point in his career where... He's so trusted that he just does whatever the fuck he wants, and then that doesn't work out well. You'd be surprised to know, in fact you would be, that this movie was nominated for the worst picture at the Razzies. Yeah, that's not surprising. Along with Colour of Night, starring Bruce Willis, uh, On Deadly Ground, starring Steve Seagal, especially starring Sliced Stallone, Wyatt Earp, starring Kevin Costner, and then Worst Actor, uh, Bruce Willis, for Colour of Night and North. Oof. Along with Macaulay Culkin. We're getting even with Dad, the page master, Richard Rich, Steve Seagal, Sylvester Stallone. Worst supporting actor, <laughs> Dan Aykroyd for Exit to Eden and North. Mm-hmm. William Shatner for Star Trek Generations. Fuck off. Uh, worst supporting actress, Kathy Bates in North. <laughs> mm. <laughs> and she's just trying to be a loyal friend. Worst director, Rob Reiner for North. He didn't win, though. Steve Seagal won for some Deadly Ground. I wonder what Elijah Wood thinks about this movie. Yeah, I wonder. I did some googling, but I couldn't find anything. Probably doesn't care. He got um, he got paid. Yeah, but I, I can't help but wonder. You know, considering it was Roger Ebert's like most famous review, there's got to be some kind of opinion there. I know. You know. Yeah. And I don't mean like whether or not he should be like, like I'm not thinking he's like a bitter actor or anything like that, but just like. What, as an adult, what do you think about this movie you did when you were a kid that Roger Ebert hated, 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 hated? <laughs> uh, right, before we go, I just want to notice that in 1994, I'm looking at film debuts because obviously Scarlett Johansson had her first role in this movie. Mm-hmm. But there was a lot of film debuts in 1994. Jessica Alba in Camp Nowhere. Okay. Danny Boyle, director of uh, Shallow Grave, that was his first movie. Um, Margaret Cho and Angie, Claire Danes and Little Women, Emily Deschanel and It Could Happen to You, Cameron Diaz and The Mask, uh, William Fickner and Quiz Show, Greg Kinnear and Blank Man, hmm. uh, Jude Law and Shopping, Melanie Linsky and Heavenly Creatures. God, I haven't seen that in forever. Yeah, James Marsden and No No Dessert Dad Till You Mow the Lawn, hmm. Uh, Ewan McGregor and Being Human, Christopher Maloney and um, Clean Slate, Sandra Oh and Double Happiness, Haley Joel Osment and Forrest Gump, Matt Ruffalo and There Goes My Baby, Lee Shriver and Mixed Nuts. Jesus Christ, so many people. <laughs> I like Mixed Nuts. That's a fun movie. Yeah. Matt Wahlberg, Renaissance Man, Mae Whitman, When a Man Loves a Woman, Michelle Williams and Lassie. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Hell, so many. Anyway, oh wait. Kate Winslet and Heavenly Creatures as well. Mm-hmm. It's an alphabetical order. So next week we are going to be doing uh hopefully, if we both see the movie, we're going to be doing a podcast on Scream Six, like we did with Scream Five last year. So if you don't want to listen to that, the movie that is that we're going to be covering the week after that, that Jen doesn't know yet that I have picked, is Howard the Duck. Oh, Jesus Christ. So we're going to do Howard the Duck. <laughs> People can't see this, but Jen just has her head in her hand. <laughs> um, 
So I think I think this is the last episode. <laughs> two things. One, I'm not excited about that. But two, you just no, blew my mind with the fact that I get to see a new Scream movie this week. Um, yeah. It's, I'm having one of those weeks where everything seemed really far away, and now it's not. Like, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I went to go visit my friend at work um, a couple nights ago. Uh, he works at a taco place. And I sit down, and he's like, five days! And it took me a second. I was like, wait, what? And I realized, oh, we see Hamilton in five days. I bought Hamilton tickets, and it seemed so far away. <laughs> no, it's I get to see Hamilton in Scream 6 this week. It's very exciting. Yeah. Sorry, Jen, we're doing Howard Ugh. We've done a DC movie before, and we haven't done a comic book movie in a while, so we're going to be doing a Marvel movie next, and it's the first Marvel movie. Uh, so anyway, that's next. Jen hates my guts for Ace Ventura and Howard the Duck. <laughs> I'm sorry. <sighs> if you'd like to follow the podcast, uh, Jen does If you'd like to follow the podcast, it's at TroubleFivePod on Twitter. At ShiftyB is my personal uh Twitter handle. Uh, ShiftyBest.co.uk is the website. Contact at ShiftyBest.co.uk is the email address. Where can people follow you online, Jen? At Pilot Inspectors on Twitter. Excellent. So thank you all for listening. We'll speak to you all next time. Goodbye. <laughs> oh, I should have taken a screenshot of you. How's it feel to be Hawaii's new first son? Well, I'm not so sure that's what I want to be. Why not? Beautiful climate. Can't beat the fashion. Yeah, I know. But I don't think I should settle for parents who have to show my most private crevice on a billboard to make them feel better about themselves. That's refreshing to meet a kid that has such strong convictions about his crack.